My name's Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. Over the past couple of years there's been a very noticeable increase of interest in fitting out charter fishing boats, which would normally be inboard diesel powered, with large petrol driven outboard engines. One of the latest converts is Bethelli-based Jason Owen, who towards the end of 2014 ordered a brand new purpose-built 10-metre Cougar Cat, powered by twin 200-horsepower Honda outboards, as a replacement for his diesel-powered 38-foot Evolution half-alid. Explain to us, if you will, the pros and cons of making that switch. The main reasons I'm changing over from a big diesel-engined monohull to a catamaran that runs on twin outboards. There's two main reasons really. The speed of the the vessel I'm running at the moment, the Evolution 38, you know, it'll run at about 16, 17 knots. But the catamaran that I've ordered should be running, we're hoping, at about 20 to 22 knots. The other side of the story is that um, the outboard engine boat should be a lot more economical to run. Now, years ago, when red diesel prices were very low, the big inboards were fine to run, you know, there wasn't a problem at all. And fuel didn't really used to come into the equation of the price of the trip. But these days, the price of red diesel has shot up so high, you know, it's quite expensive to uh, to run these big inboard engine boats. Just as an example, I mean, when I first started chartering 14 years ago, diesel used to be about 15p a litre for the red diesel. But now, you know, it's around 65p, but it has been as high as 83p per litre. Now, when you've got a big diesel-powered boat, 500 horsepower Caterpillar engine in it, that's using a gallon a mile, basically, or, or just under a gallon a mile, it's very, very expensive to run, especially when you're doing long-haul trips. Some of the trips we do, just in a one-single-day trip, we're covering over 100 miles of ground, so you can imagine the cost of the fuel for that engine. With these outboard engines, the reports that we've had back from other people that have bought outboard-powered charter boats, they're getting about two to two and a half miles per gallon on petrol. So the fuel economy is a lot better on the outboard engines. It used to be that the lifespan of inboard engines was really good as well compared to outboards. But I think you've got to consider basically renewing your outboard engines as well if you're going to use them commercially. You've got to think about renewing them maybe every five or six years before you do start getting problems with them. Now, as long as you can build that into the cost of your trips, the price of renewing your engines, then, you know, you get a boat that's got brand new engines every five years, which can't be a bad thing. The outboard engines as well have become, like I say, a lot more reliable, but they've also come a lot cheaper to buy over the last few years as well. Um, if you look at America, for instance, a lot of the boats over there now run on petrol outboard engines rather than diesel inboard engines for those reasons. The other good point as well is having a, a boat built from brand new is that you can save on the build cost dramatically by having outboard engines. You know, you haven't got things like stern tubes to worry about, rudders, hatches, breathers, there's all sorts of stuff that's involved in the building the boats, extra things to consider when you're building a boat that's run on a diesel engine as compared to having outboard engines. And also, you know, you've got things that uh, can save you time and money, like maintenance, and if there's a problem with the engines, with outboards, you know, they're, they're easy enough to bolt on, bolt off without too much fuss, whereas with a big inboard, you've got to hire a crane, 
it's, it's an awkward process. You've got lots of things to disconnect and stuff when you're taking the engine out. So having an outboard on that side of things is really good as well. The other side to look at is, you know, if you do go along and you, you end up getting a rope or a lobster pot um, around your prop, with an outboard engine you can easily tilt the outboard up, cut it free and get on with the rest of the day. I mean, I've had ropes around my props in the past and even having a rope cutter on your shaft on an inboard driven boat is not always the answer, you know, it doesn't always cut the rope clear. A couple of times I've had to actually get in the water and dive under the boat and, and cut myself free type of thing so that's going to hopefully not be an issue with outboards so yeah overall i think having outboard engines should be a good move taking all of those points on board what was it that finally persuaded you then i think phil the final thing that persuaded me was the economy and the speed of having outboard engines on the back of the boat i mean it opens up the range that i can actually run my trips in quite dramatically if we go out on wrecking trips, for instance, now, if I'm doing an extra five knots, we could easily reach wrecks that haven't been in our range before, so you can open up your fishing grounds a bit more. I have been doing a few trips over to Ireland as well, fishing the wrecks on the way across and fishing them on the way back. So again, you know, we could go and explore different wrecks that maybe we haven't fished before. But it also opens up the possibility of doing different things during the day because you've got a lot more fishing time because you've reduced the amount of travel time that you're doing. There's things on, on the Irish side like reefs and sandbanks and stuff. You know, we could possibly do a couple of hours exploring those on future trips. So that's going to be quite a positive thing as well, you know. So yeah, like I say, I'm really looking forward to this new uh, Cougar Cat. And like I say, getting it built from new, the beauty is you can get it designed and built to your own spec audacious marine that build these cougar cats i mean they've been absolutely fantastic with me there's nothing is too much trouble for them we've designed it like i say some things very differently to how they'd normally do stuff and nothing's been any sort of bother for them so it's been a, a pleasurable experience if you like dealing with them from day one and like i say i end up with a boat that's going to fulfill my needs as a charter skipper i mean the design of it is going to be great you know we've got um a forward wheelhouse with a toilet that comes in from the back of the deck. The block is actually built inside the sort of wheelhouse area. It's going to have seating outside. It's going to have a long bench seat, which is going to be under a shelter. Um, we're going to have a, a big roof overhang. And underneath the roof overhang, there's going to be a big bench seat, which should seat at least 10 people comfortably. Both sides face outwards, so, you know, people can take in the views and stuff on a nice day. And it's going to have pull-down spray canopies as well, so should there be a bit of bad weather, choppy seas with spray coming over, or, or it's raining, we can pull down some tarpaulins and keep everyone nice and dry. And like I say, we'll gain masses of space on the deck as well with this new boat compared to the old boat. So, again, the possibility of taking bigger groups, accommodating for clubs and groups of 12 people, maybe instead of 10, will come into it. And also, it'll help keep the cost of the trips down because of the saving on the fuel, yeah? We were talking earlier in the year, we were going to seriously have to look at the prices and put our prices up next year dramatically because of the, the increase in fuel costs. But um, like I say, if we go over to this new boat, then hopefully that shouldn't be an issue really. We'll be able to keep our prices competitive and it'll be nice to have a brand new boat with seating for everybody. You know, at the moment we're, we're struggling to get sort of three or four people in the wheelhouse to sit down comfortably on, on journeys out to the wrecks and back again. But on this new boat, that won't be an issue. Everyone can sit down in comfort and, like I say, get a bit of shelter from the elements as well. So that should be good. 
Obviously, you're not the first to make this switch and presumably you won't be the last. So what sort of positive feedback have you had from those who've already done it? People that have uh, got these boats that have switched over that I've talked to, I've, I've not heard a negative comment yet, Phil. What we're hearing is good reports you know, of, of performance, of speed and economy on these new boats driven by outboards compared to the old inboards, ease of servicing. And again, you know, you, everyone's always talking about the safety factor. If you get a rope around your prop, it's dead easy to just tilt your engine up and cut it off. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm really looking forward to it. It should be really good. Talking to everyone else that have made the switch, everyone seems to be happy and it's a good thing. Having placed the order, now, for you, it's a done deal. So tell us about the boat and some of the new projects that you feel it will allow you to explore. Like I say, it's a catamaran, so it's going to be a lot more stable on the water than the monohull. should be a lot less rocking. It's a 10 metre by 4 metre that's the size of the actual hull. But I'm having a, an island wheelhouse, which will allow the anglers to fish right up one side, right up to the front. We've sort of paced it out, and you should comfortably fish six anglers per side, you know, with a lot more space on the boat than you would have on my boat at the moment, with just four people on it on each side. So when you're doing drifts over wrecks and uh, fishing the bass grounds, etc., it should be a lot more comfortable, be a lot more space for everyone. And these cougar cats as well, I've, I've spoken to two or three owners and I actually went over to Guernsey recently on a, a bit of a busman's holiday with the lads and we fished on a cougar cat out there. And, you know, it was a really, really good, nice, comfortable ride. No slamming like some of the other catamarans do. You know, I couldn't fault the boat really. It was really, really good. So, uh, like I say, it should be good. They're starting to build the boat next week, which is around about the 22nd or 23rd or something of October, and it should be ready by the end of March, so it'll be ready for next season's trips. So, uh, like I say, that'll be something to really look forward to. Yeah, it's quite exciting, sort of talking and sort of sorting things out with the boat builder. Like I say, Paul at uh, Audacious Marine has been fantastic. Nothing's been too much bother. It's just been a really sort of easy process, really, the, the planning of it and stuff up to now. So, um, yeah, hopefully that'll carry on and we'll end up with a good boat at the end of it. When we go um, reef fishing, we'll be fishing off the St. Patrick's Causeway for the bream and the taupe. The speed of the boat there will, again, increase the fishing time. I mean, normally it sort of takes us about 40 minutes to get there to, from Pacelli at the moment with this boat, but, you know, we should be knocking that down to half an hour. But it's a longer haul trip, you know, like the wreck fishing and uh, going over to Ireland and stuff. That's where it's going to make a massive difference, I think, because some of the wrecks that we fish at the moment, you know, are up to 50 miles away from Pacelli. Now, if you're gaining five knots on your cruising speed, then that's going to dramatically change the time that you spend travelling, and you're going to get a lot more time fishing. But also... Travelling in between wrecks as well, you're going to save a lot on your travelling time there. So again, if you do find that the few wrecks are fishing quite slow and you're moving from wreck to wreck, you're going to be able to cover a lot more ground and cover a lot more wrecks as well by having the extra speed. And by not having any sort of massive price difference to the customer, it's got to be a good thing. Also, we have started doing some trips down to South Wales fishing off St David's Head there for the Blue Sharks. This has become quite a popular thing over the last few years now. I mean, people like Andrew Alsop that fish out of Milford Haven has really sort of brought the uh, shark fishing off the Welsh coast, if you like, to the attention of the anglers. 
He's been in quite a lot of the magazines and stuff, done a lot of features and been on the television and stuff. And there's been a lot of interest in the uh, in the shark fishing over the last few years. We've done sort of several trips down there now and it's been quite successful. We've got a mark now that we've been down there a few times and we've never blanked on it. So that's good. We've always had blue sharks. We're yet to sort of hit any poor beagles, but it's only early stages at the moment. We're only, we've only just started off. We're doing a bit more exploring and hopefully we'll uh, we'll hit a few porgies this next year because, you know, next year now I've got a few more trips planned down there. Because like I said, it has taken off and there's a lot more interest in, in the shark fishing. Also, for me as well, it's something a bit more exciting because you do tend to get a little bit bored if you're doing the same things day in, day out, wreck fishing or bass fishing or, or reef fishing. So the change for me is really good as well, you know. And what's good is I've got some customers that have been with me for quite a few years now and we've sort of gone exploring together different wrecks and different marks and stuff over the years. And then, you know, to be able to take them down to South Wales and fish for sharks now and actually catch a few as well has been fantastic the shark fishing off North Wales has been hit and miss, really. We have given it a go over the last sort of 10 years at various times. We haven't done massive amounts of it because, again, it has been quite hit and miss. You're sort of averaging one shark run, proper shark run, every five trips, if you like. So, you know, it hasn't exactly been fast and furious. Though we've had a few taupe on those trips, which have kept people from getting totally bored, just sitting around waiting for something to happen. But, you know, it's always nice when you do actually hit a shark. And like I say, every time we've gone to this mark, I've got off St David's head there, we've always hit sharks, you know. Some days we've had 16 or 17 fish in a day, up to 150 odd pounds, so it's not a bad thing. Obviously, like I say, getting a poor beagle would be nice, and I'm sure we will get one if we keep on uh, persevering, because, uh, you know, the, the boats that do fish down there, they're doing it day in, day out, every day. They do come across a few porgies now and again, and I'm sure we will get one if we uh, keep on going at it. As an outboard-driven small fast boat user myself, I know only too well that having the potential for pace is one thing. Using it freely in less than perfect sea conditions is quite another matter, and that with fast boats, unless you can keep them up on the plane, not only is the fishing time saving affected, but the fuel economy too, not to mention the number of opportunities to travel great distances. Yeah, I mean, the weather comes into it if you're travelling down to South Wales. Uh, but to be honest with you, what we've sort of done for next year is we're going to base the uh, the boat down there for maybe a week or ten days as our main sort of what we're going to call shark week. Because travelling down there can be such a hit and miss affair if you're trying to do it in one day. The weather's got to be right because from Pusheli down to the sharking grounds to the mark is basically a 100 miles. So to do a 100 mile journey each way in one day is asking quite a lot. The weather has got to be spot on. So I won't really be looking to do many of those trips really even though there is quite a lot of call for it because you've got people from sort of places like Cheshire Manchester area they can get to us in Pusheli within sort of two hours driving time so the possibility if we were to leave Pusheli say at six o'clock in the morning if they were to leave home at four in the morning get to us for six we can be on the sharking grounds by sort of eleven o'clock in the morning we can fish there for maybe six or seven hours and then head back to Pusheli and they can do it in one day you know and then travel back home by car again what a lot of them are saying is travelling down to South Wales is quite expensive because it's a day's travelling by car to get down there to begin with. They've got to have a night's accommodation, which, you know, is another expense. They're fishing for usually 12, 13 hours in a day. So by the time they get back in again, they're absolutely tired again, you know, knackered, too tired to go home. So they're having to have another night's accommodation. And then they've got another day's travelling back home again. So it's a three-day journey just for 12 hours fishing. Whereas, like I say, they can come down to us 
travel down to us in two hours and travel by sea, as long as the conditions are calm enough, down to the sharking grounds within sort of four and a half, five hours. But like I say, I, I certainly won't be doing a lot of those trips because it's a long, long, hard day. So uh, we'll probably limit that to maybe, you know, one or two a month. What we're more likely to do is maybe take the boat down to sort of Fishguard and be based there for like a long weekend, say three or four days. So we'll probably do that maybe once a month as well, maybe late June, July and August, September and into October. But just have one sort of major sharking week. At the end of September, we're going to do it next year for 10 days and have the boat based down there for 10 days. People can then travel down like they would to Milford Haven, really. They can come down to Fishguard and get some B&B down there and go out for a day's fishing. But, you know, it's just nice to have that option of doing the one-day trip, really. Now and again, it just helps some people out that don't want to be doing three long days out of it, you know. So it's good to have the option. I was talking to Mike Thrussell the other week about his early pioneering days on the Cardigan Bay Poor Beagle scene, and he said that since protection measures have been introduced, there are now very real signs that poor beagles are now starting to become a potential angling target again in the middle part of Cardigan Bay. So might that be another more regular possibility for you? Yeah, I know Mike Thrussell used to do a lot of shark fishing in the early days in uh, Cardigan Bay, and he was quite successful. There were a lot of shark around in those days, but unfortunately, obviously due to um, commercial pressure, the numbers of shark have decreased, and, you know, we just don't see any big numbers of, of shark in Cardigan Bay anymore. Occasionally, when we're fishing for taupe on the reefs, we get the odd poor beagle run, but sod's law is, when you get your shark rod out and put a live bait down or whatever for the porgies, they don't take it. So we can sort of gauge by the amount of runs we get in a year that there aren't that many sharks in the bay, especially not in the north of Cardigan Bay anyway. You know, every year you get the odd sighting, the odd person reporting that they've seen one at the side of the boat or they've had a run or whatever, but there's definitely not big numbers of them up north. They do get them, obviously, off the North Cornish coast there and down towards St David's Head. But like I say, I think with the Gulf Stream, and that's where they stay. You know, they don't come any further north in, in any big number. I mean, every year when we're fishing the wrecks, we get the odd day where we get a few porgies taking the pollock or the cod as they're coming up from the wrecks when they're alive. And we've had them even swimming around the side of the boat, you know, trying to munch on people's prize catch of a, a nice plump pollock or cod. But again, when you get your shark rod out and stick it down, nothing usually happens. We have hooked into them on shark trips. We've had a couple to the side of the boat. You know, we've had some really good runs, but they are few and far between, really. You don't get a lot of them in the area, to be honest, which is a shame, you know. If uh, the protection that's been put in place for them now with the illegal landing of poor beagles, hopefully, hopefully, you know, with a bit of luck, the numbers will build up again. I'm pretty sure they're quite slow-growing fish, and it will take quite a long time for the numbers to sort of pick up again. But, you know, what's good with the poor beagle sharks or blue shark fishing is it's all catch and release. Nobody kills them. They're all just photographed and put back in the water to fight another day. So it's a really sustainable fishery, you know, and it's something that can build up people's trips, if you like, and it gives the angler a really good sort of change, something to, to go out and catch. The buzz of having a, a really big shark on the end of your rod pulling you around the boat is absolutely fantastic and it's really exciting. So that there, like I say, the, the shark fishing is something that I am enjoying at the moment. Like I say, we're all new to it, we're getting into it, but we're learning and, you know, it's it's really enjoyable sort of getting into the shark fishing as a change to uh, all the other types of fishing we do. Chatting to Andrew Allsop, I know that he has specific areas both for blues and for poor beagles with some degree of overlap. Plus, of course, Andy Griffith's recent Mako shark. 
So what are you finding in terms of fish distribution within the areas you are most likely to fish? The blue sharks don't come any further north than St David's Head really unless the Gulf Stream does come up further on certain years. Um, I know there's been reports back in the 80s of blue sharks being caught off the St Tidwell Islands and off Puffin Island, you know, around the Anglesey there. So obviously you do get years when the, the Gulf Stream does come in and the uh, the water's a lot warmer. And we have had years when we've had fish like triggerfish and red mullet and stuff appearing in Cardigan Bay. And funny enough, those years do sort of coincide with getting more runs on the actual wrecks from porgies, you know. The porgies take the life pollock and cod on the way up from the wreck. So there is something in it, obviously, when the water does or the tides bring the warmer waters into Cardigan Bay, then obviously you do get more species like the shark and the other sort of warmer water species like the red mullet and the triggerfish. All things considered then, weather permitting, outboard petrol as opposed to inboard diesel power, besides offering your anglers greater opportunities both for more fishing time and potentially bigger fish, should on all accounts then be cost effective. Yeah, I suppose, Phil, the uh, the economy, you know, of, of an outboard-driven boat um, is going to be a lot less when it's uh, when it's choppy weather. But that that goes for any boat, you know, um, whether it's a diesel inboard or a, an outboard-powered-driven boat. You know, when the conditions aren't good, uh, you are going to lose the economy. But like I say, that's just part of the cause. You know, something you've got to accept. Really, um, it's just one of those things. So uh, yeah, there's not a lot we can uh, do about that. I'm afraid travelling down to South Wales, like I said before to you, it would be an issue if, if there was bad weather. If it was kind of a 50-50, you know, you would tend not to go because obviously of the distance, with it being 100 miles away, it's a long, long way away. And that, again, is the reason why I wouldn't take too many of those trips, you know, because of the distance, basically, and the likelihood of the trip going ahead. I mean, most of my anglers, to be fair, are quite uh, versatile. And say, for instance, you know, we, we had an issue about a month ago when we were supposed to be going down to uh, Fishguard for one day and the weather was kind of 50-50. And I said to the lads, look, it's a long journey down there, 100 miles. The weather is borderline. So I suggest we, we try a shark trip up in the north side. And we did. We tried. We went off the wreck between Bardsey and Ireland there. And we had a few taupe, but um, unfortunately no sharks. But yeah, that that's just part of it, you know, being where I am. Unfortunately, there's nothing much I can do about that, really. So that's that. But even if you get the weather, why will anglers want to spend so much time travelling by sea when they can jump into the car, drive down to Milford Haven and climb aboard with somebody like Andrew Alsop? I don't know. The reason, I suppose, the anglers would rather sort of come out with me than travel down to Milford Haven. Like I explained to you before, it's quite a long journey to go down there. And the reason they'd want to come to Fishguard and go out with me rather than go out with Andrew Alsop, I suppose. You know, Andrew Alsop as well, you've got to remember, is a, a very, very busy skipper. He does this day in, day out, which, I, I, to be honest, I don't know how he does it. You know, it's such a tiring day when you do these shark trips because... Uh, you're hauling these big lumps over the side every day and wrestling with them and stuff, trying to get the hooks out. It is really tiring, and I sort of take my hat off to the guys that do it every day. It is hard work. The reason that the anglers probably want to come with me, they're my, my customers to start with, and a lot of them, we've, you know, I consider them more as friends now because uh, I suppose over the years, you know, we've built up a good relationship, and there's something about exploring things together as well. Where they've been with me for years, fishing up our end. We've done some wreck fishing, and we've developed the skills, if you like, for wreck fishing over the years. And the equipment we use has all been developed, and everything's got better and better. And we've sort of, you know, you you kind of grow together with your customers, don't you? You sort of explore in these new things, and it's nice to be going down 
sort of with each other and exploring these venues and coming back, you know, having caught some shark, what we actually went out to catch in the first place. It's fantastic. I mean, I suppose these guys could go down to other skippers down there and probably catch more sharks in a day than what they catch with me or maybe catch bigger sharks than what they catch with me. But at the end of the day, when you build up a relationship with someone and, and you're sort of you're developing together, exploring together, there's a big sort of positive buzz to be had out of that, yeah? It's uh, it's one of those, isn't it? If you go to somewhere and you sort of know what you're going to catch and it kind of takes the little bit of fun out of it sometimes, yeah? So going exploring is quite good fun. Yeah, we've done it in the past. We've had hit and miss things when we've said, well, we'll go and try anchoring a wreck that we haven't tried before and people will come and they'll, you know, I'll give them a bit of a discount because obviously it's an exploring trip. And some days we've hit it big and we've had really good catches and other days, you know, you haven't caught as many fish so it all sort of swings and roundabouts but I think the thing about exploring is it's the unknown it's the excitement isn't it and like I say for me going down there and, and shark fishing at the moment is exciting you know I've got no intention whatsoever in doing it every day some people say oh why don't you move down to Milford Haven for the summer and just fish for sharks I just would not be able to do that I wouldn't want to actually do it either you know fishing for sharks every single day I prefer a bit of variation in my fishing because, you know, we work the fishing on the tides up here, basically. On bigger tides, we're fishing the reefs for the taupe and the bream and the bass. And then on the smaller tides, we're going out onto the wreck. So it's a nice little variation of fishing, you know. And it, you know, gets your brain working as well if you, you're sort of chopping and changing and doing different trips. Like I said to you, we've been going over to Ireland for the last few years as well, fishing the wrecks over there. And, we're, you know, we're always, always exploring new wrecks when we go over because there's so many different directions you can go in across to Ireland. You're always coming across different wrecks and you, you find a wreck sometimes that's holding a few ling, nice big ling, and you think, oh, you know, that that was worth doing. Or you come across another wreck that's got a few cod on it or bigger pollock or coalies, and, you know, you never know what you're going to find. So, like I say, it's it's all good. Yep, as you say, variety is the spice of life, and that more certainly goes for the fishing too. Whether or not the switch from inboard to outboard power will actually open up new doors, due to the distances involved in the vagaries of the West Coast weather, remains to be seen. But I for one will be looking to give it a go, particularly the single day option out from Patheli. So best of luck then with the venture, and thanks for sharing your thoughts on the topic with us here. <laughs>